This is ETT Explore, a table talk show. Expounding biblical truth. Join anywhere in the world. God bless you. I hope you are not exhausted already because we are we are almost ending the first month of the year already and a lot a lot a lot a lot has happened already but i pray for you that your strength is renewed in jesus name it will be a wonderful year for us and um, an amazing one in jesus name let's pray together but i thank you for this show Thank you for the wonderful people who are on this show right now and for those who will eventually listen. Every last Tuesday, Tuesday of the month like this, we meet together to have deep conversations on Christian concepts as we seek to deepen our faith, learning of love and the truth of Jesus Christ. This show is hosted by Engaging the Truth Team Ministry, a ministry committed to the expression of the love and truth of Jesus Christ. And today our topic is formal versus faith, choosing purpose over popularity. And FOMO, that's F-O-M-O, that's fear of missing out. So we'll be considering FOMO, the fear of missing out versus faith, choosing purpose over popularity. In this episode, I have the opportunity to host the founder of Engaging the Truth Team Ministry. He's a Christian apologist and a minister of the gospel. He has been on this show before now, but we, we are having him again. And um, it's, exi- it's exciting because of um, the many things that we will learn through him today as God will be using him to bless us. His name is Caleb Oladejo. You're welcome, sir. Thank you very much. Yeah. So as as individuals, we have a constant raging, you know, a constant battle, a constant war raging within many of us. The talk of war is between the fear of missing out and our faith, which is the anchor of our soul. Today, we will explore this crucial topic with our esteemed guest who will help us on this journey of choosing purpose over popularity. So, dear listeners, get ready to be blessed. So, now, the first question starts. In your experience, how does FOMO, that the fear of missing out, manifest in the lives of Christians today? How do you think the fear of missing out, the fear of missing out, how do you think the fear of missing out manifests in the lives of Christians now? We're talking about of the gospel. How does it manifest? today thank you very much for the opportunity 
um, to be on the show. And I pray that the God will teach us. So, uh, there are several ways that the fear of missing out uh, is expressed or it comes into being in the lives of believers. And one of it is when we have an, an anxiety that time is going or that um, other people that are around us are achieving some things that we have not yet achieved. So that's one of the expressions of the fear. Uh, but basically, it happens when a Christian has this anxiety of maybe they have been maybe they've not been achieving up to what they're supposed to achieve or they are afraid that time is running out and then they show panic they show anxiety and some people even express it by this by by stopping to trust god entirely and putting their hands in something else hello sir are you with me good please oh okay all right thank you so much for that yeah, so you, you mentioned anxiety, just about um, how some people feel like time is going, which is um, very, very important, actually, because time belongs to the Lord. <laughs> and um, having the feeling that uh, one is yet to achieve what they should. Thank you so much for that. Thank you so much for that. You know, some people believe that um, especially on social media, you know, social media has even made it worse these days because you get to see a lot of things on on um, on the socials, especially with um, people posting about this, showing videos, and um, making someone feel like their own safe journey is inadequate. It's not even about talking about achievements now. Sometimes, even with Christian journey as well. Some people believe that when they see, okay, when they interact with other people's content on social media, they believe that their own journey, their own faith is inferior to the other person's um, faith that they are viewing on social media, especially when they begin to post about um, some mission trips that they went to, church retreats, some spiritual breakthroughs that they've had, routine touch on social media sometimes, and the other person at the other end, we might get triggered with um, or that's the fear of missing out, you know, fear of being judged as well, worrying about their faith life, you know, appears to how other people, you know, view their. Yes, we're going to proceed. And um, we want to talk about some of these um, some of these emotions that Christians struggle with. In those situations of you know comparing themselves to other people around them or even on social media, Christians struggle with um, emotions like envy, like insecurity comparing themselves with other people so I want you to talk about these emotions especially envy and comparison 
because a lot of people are victims of this. Of course, the, the, um, the Bible tells us not to be given to envy, but even without realizing it, especially interacting with content online, some people, without knowing it, engage in envy. You know, they begin to accommodate envy. I want you to talk about this, uh, these emotions that Christians tend to struggle with. I think you've already mentioned the emotions. Yes. Anx- there is the anxiety. Anxiety breeds fear. Anxiety has the tendency of making you to be unnecessarily panicking. Then there is envy. Uh, both are bad, but one is worse. That's envy. Now, anxiety is still you being afraid. You're not sure, you're not certain, and then it makes you become afraid. And fear is very dangerous. Fear is a dangerous thing. I've been a victim of fear, and I know what fear can drive you to do if you don't quickly run to God for help. Then, but the worst part is envy. You know, when people, when someone is envious, you tend to cross the line. Yes. Envy means that you've crossed the line. You've taken off your Christian sense. You've silenced the Holy Spirit and then you are now beginning to express characters that people that don't know God will express. You know, envy brings resentment. Envy is going to lead you to have unnecessary hatred towards someone. And there are some people that do that. You know, they just hate someone else on social media because they see them sharing their success. Instead of them to thank God for that person's life and to live their own life as God will help them, they begin to, you know, um, hate the person. There are so many people, apart from even Christians doing this, there is, it's a normal thing. For people that are that are poor or that don't have so much money, one of the reasons they keep on having or not having wealth is because they hate those who are rich. They just hate them for no reason. They feel that the people that are rich have some luck or have some unfair advantage as if God created those ones special and then God is unkind to them. So they just hate the rich people. And that's the easiest way not to get wealth because you have to welcome and embrace the lifestyle that you that you want to live. So envy can breed all these things. Envy can breed, you know, um, resentment. You just resent someone for no reason at all. Then it can also bring that other one, which is hatred. I'll stop there. Yeah, thank you so much for that answer, sir. You, you mentioned some things which especially when people share their success story. Yeah, I think I, I, I know I know that because a lot of people are into this um um how am I going to put it now? More of like sharing their lifestyle on social media, sharing some people are just committed to that. Even Christians getting to show their lifestyle, sharing their successes. And the other person at the other hand, who is also a Christian, 
we have people who see other people manifest in a particular gig they begin to compare themselves to that other person some ministers also fall victim of this when they begin to compare their metrics their congregational metrics to that to the other ministries metrics maybe their, the number of their of their followers the number of their members some people because of prayer pressure they begin to jump jump on trends you know we have several ways this fear of missing out manifests in our society today even down to the fact that some people compromise their values their christian values just to feel among not to miss out to be in the in, in the trend i pray that god will help us not to be victim of this in jesus name okay so so i want to um have that how can we shift our focus as christians to celebrating others achievement why staying focused on our own unique how can we as christians focus on celebrating other people celebrating other people when they achieve great strides when they when they have a particular success you know to celebrate while we are staying focused on our own unique path because I believe that every every person is unique. Every person is um, authentic to their own journey. So while we accept that we are um, we have our own unique path, how can we stay motivated to celebrate other people's success? All right. Thank you very much for that question. Um, you see, I always like to trace problems actually because I believe that. the journey of tracing something back to its roots is in fact the first step in unraveling the solution if we cannot trace something back to the root we most likely would just be jerry picking and trying to choose you know for, i mean just doing this guess game what is the foundation of people who live this homo lifestyle people who envy other people people who they hate other people because of their success but i think if you can trace it to that point we can then rework the solution to talk about how they can stay focused now what is the root cause i believe that the root cause is a loss of your purpose See, once you have lost the core reason the draw on earth it will be very easy for you to find yourself drifting you know with every wind let me read from second corinthians chapter 10 verse 12 and i'm telling you this because this is paul the apostle a man who he understood his purpose so he does not need to do some things that some people are doing regarding FOMO now all right what does how does Paul the apostle put it in second corinthians 10 12 in kjd he says for we dare not look at the language how strong the language of Paul is he said for we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that con- 
comment themselves. He was even saying, we can't even comment ourselves. He says, but those people, but they, measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. How could Paul confidently say this with ease? Because he understood his purpose, that his ministry is different to the ministry of Peter. And his ministry is different to the ministry of Jesus. So, to refocus the attention of people from, you know, from envy and lusting after other people's successes, the first thing is you need to come to terms with your purpose. It is in your purpose that there is safety. In your purpose, there is establishment. In your purpose, there is expansion. Look, anything you do outside of your purpose on earth, it is just a matter of time before that thing gives you sorrow. That's the truth. I am telling you this because it is like that. If you, you can get wealth inside your purpose, but you can also get wealth outside your purpose. Now, one will give you a lasting novelty, joy, till the old age, you close your eyes and you go to the Lord in death. The other one will give you a short time of pleasure and luxury. And in the end, you regret it. In the end, you tell people at the bedside, I wish I had lived my life different. And they, and they'll feel like, what? How can the millionaire say that? He, he has not, he has made the millions outside purpose. So that's the that's the point. Let's get our eyes back to the question. Why has God put me here? If you can answer that question, it will be very easy for you to then stay inside that calling of God. The place might be small, but God doesn't need big spaces to do big things. It can be small space, but it doesn't need big things. It just needs uh, an obedient heart to do big things. I'll stop there. Wow. Purpose, purpose discovery, very, very important. As our guests have said, to help um, prevent envy, comparison, shrinking up in our heart. <laughs> Go in. You help us to discover our purpose and to stay in our purpose in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, so, um, Sam, in this age, there's something called the idolatry of likes. You know, you know, like, likes, share, comment, and, um, it has become the currency of self-worth today. Some have replaced God as the time source, you know, some have replaced this, you know, replaced this. From um, the place of God, they've replaced the place of God with the likes, the shares, the comments that they receive on socials as their source of validation, leading to crises of faith and mental health. So, I want to can we dive into this concept more? Because there are some due to dependence of external validation. They are left vulnerable to anxiety and depression, especially when the likes 
when it stops flowing, some begin to tailor their online activities to attract the coveted likes by sacrificing their intimacy with God and um, their unique self for virtual approval. You know, begins to weaken their faith. Their root is no longer strong. They are being blown away by every wind of doctrine just to get social media validation. So, sir, what are the practical tips that you would give to someone that is struggling with this? All right. Um, thank you for the question. Uh, I would like to drop a quote here. Now, I, I think this question is in, in line with um, ministers of God. I mean, Christians. We're not talking about a businessman, all right? If you're a businessman, that's another lifestyle, marketing, you need all those thoughts. But we're talking about people who are Christians, probably they're ministers, and then they are already replacing the validation from God with the social media likes and shares and comments and all these social media engagements and all that, all right? Now, I would like to start with this statement I do not know any man of God who was made on social media no the social media popularity is only a product of their inner their their, you know their secret touch their secret time with God so if you if somebody is a serious minded minister of God, you cannot stay, you cannot get your making from social media. There must be something that God has done in you that is making your message or that will make your message to then reach out to the world. And then the popularity not naturally will come. It's just normal. Once you're solving a problem, you will get some kind of popularity. But it will be wrong for you to put the cart before the horse. And instead of spending your early ministry life pursuing God, spending time to pray, spending time to pray before you take any task, before you preach the next message, before you attend the next event, Spending that secret time, if you put the car before the horse, your attention will totally shift from that, and you'll be looking for how do I get people to watch this video? How many likes can I get from this thing? You become totally a self-made or man-made man. You, you you shift from being a man of God or a woman of God to becoming a man of men. Now, what are the practical steps? I mean, tips. The first, I'll just give you about three. The first tip that I want to say is this. You need to apply the spirits check. When I mean the spirits check, whenever you carry out a task, it's a conscious effort. You have to do it. If you are a child of God, to constantly ask the Holy Spirit, have I pleased you? You see, the Holy Spirit is so truthful. In fact, himself is truth. So, he cannot lie. 
to you or tell you what is wrong in any way. What he will tell you is the truth. Now, by the time you constantly go to him and you are and, and he sees that you're really interested in the truth and you're like, Holy Spirit, have I pleased you? Okay, I have just carried out an event. Have I really pleased you? It's not just about the applause. It's not just about the, 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 the likes, the shares and everything. No, that's not all. If you are a true minister of God, you will have to go back to your city place and say, Holy Spirit, God, you know, that's person who gave you the assignment in, in the first place. Have I pleased you? Hmm. Have I pleased Have I pleased you? If you don't do it, then you're not fulfilling the part of the scriptures that says that we should examine ourselves, whether we are still in the faith. So hmm. you, you want to finish preaching a message. It's a conscious thing. If you don't practice it, in fact, I think that's the only tip I'll give you. Because if you don't practice it, number one, you, you, you won't know when pride will start coming in. <laughs> you won't know when you're going to fall gradually into self-aggrandizement. You just begin to, wow, your head begins to blow at those times when there is success and then there are likes and then the, the, the videos are trendy and there is healing. You're just cast out demons. You won't know the point when you start becoming proud. And you know that the Lord that we are dealing with is not moved by any of those things. So you, are, you want to finish a program, an event that is successful, very successful. All your objectives were met. People came, miracles happened, Holy Spirit moved. And you want to get back to your house that night and say, Lord, have I made you happy? It shows humility. The moment you keep on doing that, it will constantly suppress the tendencies of humanity, of, of you know our, our own human tendency to always seek human praise. And it will exalt the will of God to always be done in you. So you immediately shift from being somebody who is looking at other people to somebody whose eyes is totally shifted on God. So what am I saying? I'm saying it doesn't matter how successful the event is. It doesn't matter how unsuccessful the event is. What matters is, Lord, have I pleased you? Have I done what you want me to do? Have I not just derailed? Am I not writing off topic? Am I answering the questions that matter? Like Jesus Christ corrected the Pharisees, he told them they have left the weightier matters of the kingdom. If you constantly go back to Jesus like that and ask him, Lord, have I pleased you? Jesus, have I pleased you? He will expose, even when, even when you're making mistakes, he will expose them to you. I'll stop there. Oh, thank you so much for that response. Applying the spirit check, which is the most important thing. Checking that you are pleasing God. Thank checking that you have not derailed. Thank you so much for that response once again, sir. So um our listeners, I want you to carry out a simple tax now. I want you to comment on under the chat that was created for this for each day explore. I want you to comment um how you actively live out your faith 
and choose your purpose over the flipping trend. Like as a Christian, how have you been navigating the world's noise? How you have actively live out your faith and choose your purpose? I want you to share your thoughts in on this in the chat created for this show on this channel, and let's encourage one another in the comments. All right. Um. Thank you so much for that response. There. I I want to ask that. How can we cultivate contentment in our lives, especially when faced with challenges or setbacks? You know, contentment is one of the virtues in which a Christian should have. So, how can we cultivate contentment in our lives? You know, especially when one is being faced with challenges, faced with setbacks, and you're seeing other people around you. Moving on, doing great things, <laughs> achieving several things, and um, one is experiencing one setback or the other, being challenged in one way or the other. How can we content, um, cultivate this particular virtue called contentment? Because it has, you, you can't fake it. You can't fake fake contentment. It has to it has to spring up from the heart genuinely. Or hell, that would be equal question. So, how can one um, cultivate contentment, sir? Alright, thank you very much. Now, uh, please, I want to add a few things to the to my answer for this question. And I don't want to forget, so I want to please talk about them now. The first is, number, number one, I do not know anybody who is consistent with something and they don't eventually grow and become successful in it. The problem with many people is that we're not patient with ourselves. So the point you're making a setback, you don't give yourself the leverage, the, the patience that you need to grow because anybody who fails in a task shows that they also have the prospect, the possibility to succeed. But the problem is that most of the time we are not patient with ourselves. So at the slightest in, you know, at the slightest um, sight of a failure, the next thing you do is to give up, <laughs> and you forgot the fact that practically before you were able to walk as a baby, you fell several times. And it's it's so funny that as people grow, as we grow some of the simplest concepts in the world become complicated. We complicate failure, forgetting the fact that we failed several times before we made a single success. Even in the, in the, in the formation of a baby, there were several efforts in the womb before the child is formed. It's not just like, just like that. No, it doesn't happen like that. So, the... I just wanted to add it that if you are doing something for God, even for yourself in your life, you will need to be patient with yourself. Stop being unnecessarily harsh on yourself, especially on things that are out of your control. The things that are under your control, your sleeping time, your waking time, you know, your delivery, your task delivery, your brainstorming, your learning, your skill acquisition, those are within your skills. But you put in your very best and then 
you've not gotten the result that you expect, that is the time to talk to yourself and say, hey, the patient with me. Yes, you've got to talk to yourself like that and tell yourself to be patient. David will tell his soul, my soul, why art thou disquieted within me? <laughs> David talks to himself. He's telling himself, my soul, why are you not patient with yourself? What is your problem? Why are you? And then he will tell his soul, hope in God. <laughs> hope in God, my soul. So the same way, you've got to learn to be patient with yourself. It is on that backdrop that that practice of contentment comes in. Let me explain it in this way. You have to stop this attitude of measuring your success with somebody else's achievements or trying to, um, you know, use that person's yardstick as your measurement. You don't look at somebody else's clock to run. Now, the Lord has given you an assignment. For instance, the Lord has given you a vision, a purpose for you to live on. Now, it is based on those parameters that he will require you to, to you know, for assessment. So, he's not going to ask you, he's not going to judge you or assess your performance based on, oh, the success of Mr. A or Mr. B. I have never seen it in the Bible where God tells Peter, or let me say, yes, Peter, and God says, Peter, do you know that Paul the Apostle is going from Asia Minor to Rome and to Corinth? Peter, why are you not doing like Paul? I have never seen it. If you've seen it, you can tell me. I have never seen a place in the Bible that Jesus called John and said, John, why can't you look at James and see what James is doing? and perform like James. Jesus would never do it. So you, now, now you see what I'm saying, that most of the time, we are the ones that make up these things in our head. We are the ones that put ourselves under this pressure, this race, this thing. I have to be like this person. I have to... No, God did not... That is not God's assignment for you. I have never seen a time where, where you know, the Spirit of God told Isaiah and said, Isaiah, you don't have faith like Abraham has faith. Never, never a time. I do not know a time where God compares two of his children. He doesn't do it. So now you get to know it is a, it, it's a human makeup. It's a human makeup to just feel like, oh, I'm not doing enough. Oh, I want to do more than that. Oh, I want to do... Why don't you keep yourself within the parameters that God has given you? What is God's requirements for you? What are the tasks that God wants you to do? Do this, sleep, go and sleep. Yes, enjoy your sleep. And when you've done that, ask him if you're pleased him. If he's comfortable with you, he will commend you. He will encourage you. He will show you what to do more. If he's not contented with it, if God is not happy with what you're doing, he will correct it. But God will never compare you to someone else. I'll stop there. He has allocated seasons and times to each one of us. Um, Paul said in um, Philippians that despite facing hardships, he see he see um, he see expressed remarkable contentment. 
he emphasized that contentment doesn't come from material possessions or even external circumstances but from trusting God's plan because you know looking at it really there are several people that despite all that they've accomplished they still don't get contented it's like it's a continual race <laughs> it's a circle they never get to the end of it and that is because contentment does not even come from what they are chasing it does not come from um it does not come from the the seemingly success that they are seeking it comes from trusting God's plan and being fulfilled in purpose as our guest speaker has said you know establishing yourself in your God-given purpose that is where you're going to find your contentment that is where you're going to find your fulfillment because why is it that despite having or accumulated assets having some groundbreaking successes some people still run into depression you know they still find themselves worthless they still don't find the happiness that they think they're going to get in those things that is because it is not found in those things it is not found in the earthly possessions just like paul has said it is not found in those um worldly earthly gains that they see it is found in you living out your purpose and ensuring that you are patient with yourself and you allow god to express its purpose in you you know express its purpose for your life this is very very important and i pray for us the grace for us to be patient and the patience is a virtue it's one of the fruits of the spirit patience is a very very important virtue that as Christians we need to have if you don't want to be a victim of envy you don't want to be a victim of comparison you don't want to begin to breathe devilish stuff in you you have to have patience you have to trust God for what he has to stop for you you have to establish patience and I pray that God will work upon every heart listening to this to establish patience in their life establish patience with God in their lives in the name of Jesus all right um so we, we, i want us to talk about how um, answering the call to service is one of the ways to overcome the fear of missing out you know i think christians we need to begin to maximize impact going more for impact more going more for influence you know when we begin to when we have the knowledge of the fact that we need to make a difference we need to spread the love of god bring hope to people you know we see ourselves as an instrument to alleviate the suffering of people i feel is also going to help us to uh to live out you know prevent the fear of missing out in our lives so so how can a christian maximize the call to service you know the call to living an impactful life 
how can we uh, maximize this? Especially, you know, as Christians, believing that we are not just there to just, you know, <laughs> live out our life. We are called to service unto God, right? And when we get to understand that, it will help to prevent homo. It will help. It will help us to really, really um, allow God to help us live our lives on the service unto Him. So, sir, please, can you help us talk about the call to service? You know, when we begin to talk about the aspect of um, charity, influencing people, living an impactful life to prevent homo bringing forth in our lives. Um, yeah, thank you very much. The, uh, I think there's a comment by someone, I can't remember the, the speaker now. But I'll, I'll paraphrase it. It says that the whole essence of life is to live for other people. Let me give you a very simple illustration. You know, we consider Jesus as the greatest man who has ever lived on earth. Why do we consider? Why does it? How did Jesus attain that? place. He did what no other person would do. He laid down his life for someone else. Now, anybody or anyone who lays down their life for the sake of other people will also earn a similar status in our in our world. We talk about people like soldiers who lay down their own life for the security, the protection of their country, the border of their country, their, their territory. We talk about, you know, remarkable leaders, country leaders, who went out of their way, forgetting the fact that they are, they are leaders, and then they lived for all other people. They laid down their lives for other people. We talk about even you know cultural, I mean traditional history that talks about people who have lived at certain times and then they laid down their own life for the safety, for the security, for the healing, for the um, freedom of their kinsmen. History never forgets anyone who lays down their life for someone else because that's the greatest cause. That's the greatest cause there is. So. Living your life for someone else, it does something to you. And what is it? It gives you a sense of fulfillment that you cannot find anywhere else. Look, I have to say this. I'm not talking about pastors today who have turned church to business. No, I'm not talking about those ones. I am talking about ministers of God who their constant life, their thinking, their prayers, their, their secret cry is how will the life of the people around me be better? How will they meet God? How will they love God? How will that nation be saved? How are we going to spread the hand of love to them? 
it does something to you. It gives you this sense of fulfillment. You can't live for other people and you won't be happy with yourself. I don't know anybody who has walked this path and they don't have fulfillment, they don't have contentment, they don't have happiness. So, in fact, I can even make a bold statement and say that people who don't find anything beyond themselves to live for, they are the saddest, the loneliest people in the world. Because of what? The only thing they live for is themselves. They don't have any life they've touched. They don't like, have anybody that says, oh my God, if it is not for this person, I wouldn't be where I am now. I don't know anybody who has lived like that, who has been a source of, of, of a, um, a lifesaver to someone else. And then they say they're not fulfilled, they're not happy. No. So living for someone else, engaging in Christian charity, there is this feeling of fulfillment that it brings to you. It doesn't matter how big the act of charity is. Preaching to someone about the gospel is an act of charity. The same thing, giving someone material things, food, money, is also an act of Christian charity. So whichever one that you do, praying for someone is an act of Christian charity. Because you're spending your own time for someone else that they may not even know that you prayed for them. So whichever way you do it, there is a sense of fulfillment. There is a man, I think, I've forgotten the country, it's an, Afri- Af- it's an African country, who's a rich man, was not really, you know, maybe a Christian, but he was a rich man, he has all the wealth. I'm talking about a real life story. And then one day, he was driving, and, uh, you know, there are these people that are called area boys, you know, um, boys around who are thugs and all that. They attacked one of his vehicles. And I think they damaged it. And you know, an average rich person would have been angry and maybe called the police to arrest those boys and pick them up and all that. But you know what he felt? He felt pity for them. That if these boys had a better option, a better life, they wouldn't take to street fighting and you know, living like, like this. You know what he did? Instantly he caught a purpose, a vision that he wants to start an orphanage and pick up street kids, street boys, street girls, and he was going to start it from his own house. He wasn't going to build an, an apartment for them to go and stay separately. No, no. He started bringing those kids to his own house. His wife will have to cook for them. They will have to mix with his own children. That was risky, of course. Delaying that life for someone else is, is quite risky, but that's the fulfillment. Now, do you know that they grew, the numbers grew to the point that you couldn't feed them anymore. You have to start an agricultural project so that they can grow their own food. And then, of course, the boys, the girls were the staff there. That place currently in that country, I'm not sure that it's South Africa or Ghana, it's an African country. That farm business that they started became one of the largest producers of food for the country. Now, that's not the, the, the only part. He has schooled the children, paid for the education, up to those who want to study abroad. All those kids, some of them are married now, they finished their, their postgraduate courses, they call him daddy. Now, you can't tell me that that man will have lack of contentment, 
or will compare himself with somebody else. He has all the success because of what? He has laid his own life for someone else. So there is no greater cause than to live your life for the betterment of those around you. That is the best way to find peace. That is the best way to find fulfillment. There has been testimonies of people who have been instrumental to the development of their community. And then thieves, real thieves, robbers, armed robbers will raid the environment and they will get to their house and say, we cannot come to your house because we know that you are a good man. <laughs> because we know that you are a good woman. You have helped us. So they will leave the person's house because of the impact they've had on their community. And that's it. If you live your life for yourself, it's, the end is sadness and loneliness in the end. Because the whole essence of your wealth, of your of your popularity, of your leadership, of your position is to help those who are not there, those who are not up to you. So use whatever you have for someone else. Use your life for other people. If all of us are doing that in the world, there will be less and less poverty and more and more wealth. I'll stop there. Wow, that was a lot. People who don't find anything beyond themselves to live for are the saddest and the loneliest of all. We need to live beyond ourselves. We need to find a purpose that is beyond us to prevent this FOMO that we are talking about. The call to service, living in an impactful life, living in living a life for other people very very important Jesus Christ himself has even shown us this example when he died on the cross for us he has shown us you know in the essence of his own life you know living for us so that we might live shows the essence of life itself to live for other people to live an impactful life I pray that God will help us to intentionally live for other people in Jesus' name. Okay, so Sal, we, we want to bring a balance to this topic that we have been talking about now for more than 50 minutes. And um, I want us to establish this balance of preventing the fear of missing our last FOMO and not settling for the status quo. You know, especially when we're talking about comparison, envy, and all, we don't want to contend. We don't want to be given to anxiety, the fear of missing out. But we want to. We, we don't want to also be Christians who are just complacent, who are just given to settling for the status quo. You know. We want to be high achievers and um, keep challenging ourselves to get more results, get more achievements. So can you bring a balance to this topic so that we will not just have Christians that are you know, just giving to, oh yes, I don't want to be envious, I don't want to be... Uh, I don't want to show lack of contentment and then they are just relaxed not 
going out to win strides, achieve more in their ministry, in their personal life as well. So, sir, please help us establish this balance. Um, the balance is the Lord. The Lord is the balance. The Lord, uh, like, like um, a crystal apologist once said, the Holy Spirit, the Lord God knows how to bring you low without humiliating you. I, I paraphrase that. You know, the Lord knows how to make you passionate for success and yet not allow you to be proud. The Lord knows how to make you passionate for achievement and for expansion, yet how not to make you compare yourselves with other people. That was the reason I referred you back to the Lord the other time. He is the one that would, by the time you ask him that question, I say, Lord, have I pleased you? He is the one that will tell you whether to be careful, be cautious, or to advance and do more. He is the one that will bring it to your, to your remembrance. The Spirit of God said when it is come, I mean, Jesus Christ said when the Holy Spirit has come, it will bring you into all truths. So he's going to tell you, he's going to communicate it to you one way or another, how you should live your life. He will be the balance to give you a push. He will also be the balance to pull you back when you're getting excessive. That is the why. That is the big why. Going back to the Lord is the is one of the constant assignments of the believer. You must go back to, to, to the Lord. You must visit him again, asking him for guidance, asking him questions. Lord, am I pleasing you? Lord, open my eyes. The moment you keep on praying such prayers, he will be the one to push you when you need a push. And he will pull you in love when you need to be pulled back. He will, he will you know, he will in fact, you know, almost uh, pinch your ears when you need to be pinched. He will use other people for you when you're not listening. He will run after you when you need to be run after. So, the Holy Spirit is that balance. I can't tell you that you need to make somebody else your yardstick. No. Because if you make that person your yardstick, what if the person loses face and they're just not there anymore? So make the Lord your yardstick. Go back to him. Keep on going back to him. When you succeed, you achieve a level of success, and you go back to, to the Lord and tell him, Lord, have I pleased you? He will tell you immediately. Whether you're doing well or not, when you are not succeeding, you have a failure, yes, you have a setback, go back to him again. Lord, am I pleased to? Why has this happened? He will tell you whether it is his own will to allow that thing to be like that, or you can pray and fight against it. That is, it is, it is the Lord. He is the balance between the contentment and the complacency. Because truly speaking, there's the tendency for you to feel, oh, well, they say we should not be unnecessarily ambitious and all, all these things. So because of that, I have achieved 
the level of success, and that is my height in life. Well, I will tell you about Joshua, who has conquered all the land, and the Lord, the same person I told you to go back to, the Lord told Joshua, Joshua, you've achieved success, but I'm not done with you yet. So it is the Lord. The Lord is the one that will tell you at the height of your success. Look at it. When the evangelist Philip was doing well in Samaria, Philip had just broke up, you know, a, a revival in the community. The Lord, through the Holy Spirit, told Philip, leave that height of success now and go to the desert. There is one soul there. This is a city, a community evangelist. He had become popular in town. He was now the celebrity in town. And right there, because that is him, the Holy Ghost actually will moderate you. So, who knows whether if Philip had stayed there for a longer time, he would have become proud. And the Holy Ghost told him immediately, leave the midst of that success. Go now into the desert. You will meet the man there. He's traveling to Ethiopia. Preach the gospel to him because you will be the first convert in Africa. You know, you will wonder whether it was just supposed to be, why not allow Philip to just be there? The Lord will moderate you. The same way, when the believers were somewhere and they were afraid and fidgeting, the Holy Ghost told them, you have to preach and he scattered them abroad. So he is the one that knows how to both condense and also expand the world. He knows when there is a tendency ahead of you to be proud and he will tell you to reduce it. He also knows how to push you, to give you a challenge. He knows how to tell you, like Paul the Apostle, that, you know, come over to Macedonia and help us. That is the Holy Spirit doing all those works in the eyes of Paul and Philip, like I was using the examples. I'll stop there. Wow, thank you for that response. Truly, the Holy Spirit is the check and balance in a Christian's life. So as a Christian, engage the Holy Spirit continually to establish that balance, to always check and balance for you. As we bring this show to a close for this episode, Star, please can you share with our listeners your final words on this topic? Thank you very much. Uh, I will just plead um, with our listeners. We are in a world that is very delicate now. It's a very dirty, dangerous, and very easy to be swayed away. And these are my words. Number one, many of the things that people sweat on are not important to God. They're not. Many of the things that people don't pay attention to, those are the real things. That's God, the paradox of life. People spend their life, lifetime, money, this, that, and you know. And after the whole thing, the Lord is like, I haven't sent you there. <laughs> You're just doing your own. 
then if that is the case, if the world is most of the time at odd with God, if you don't seek the face of God, if you limit your assessment to man's assessment or to your own myopic assessment, and then you base your whole life on the fact that ah, I'm doing well now. What am I? What am I supposed to? This is this place is fine. You may be a Philip spending extra time in Samaria when you're supposed to go and pursue a soul who's traveling to Ethiopia. You may be the preacher who is too tired to get up and put a tract in the pocket of a drunkard who will later become a world evangelist. Because you're tired. The prompting, the, the checks, the listening to the humility to the Holy Spirit is what forms the all mark of Christianity. The moment you stop and you remove the Holy Spirit, you have stepped out of purpose. Without you are what you're doing immediately at that point is completely out of God's expectation and it does not have reward. That's the funny part. It does not have reward. Those are the kind of, of works that Paul the Apostle said they will be burnt in fire. I'll stop there. Thank you so much there for this um, for doing justice to this topic. In Hall, um, know that God is the essence of life. And through Him, you can discover your purpose and stay in it. Making God your yardstick. And um, as our speaker has also said earlier, that you need to intentionally live a life that is beyond you. And that's when you're going to find true meaning to life. You'll find true essence of life. You you have the satisfaction and the fulfillment that you need. And allow me to add that you also have to live a life of gratitude. When you are intentionally giving to gratitude, when you intentionally cultivate the attitude of being grateful to God, despite the fact that you, you might even wish for more, you know, at the point, at, at that period, you might wish for some things, but intentionally establish the life of gratitude. Being truly grateful for what you have at the moment. So that you can stay in God, you can live for God while you are waiting on Him. You'll be patient with God to bring you more life results. So that will be it for this episode. Thank you so much to all our listeners who stayed with us till now. Thank you for your presence on this show and for the want to also appreciate our 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 guest, um, Caleb Aladejo. Thank you for the great value and virtue that you have blessed us with. We pray that you are renewed on all grounds in Jesus' name. 
and to our audience thank you for listening and for the engagement and i hope that your jota is full already there was so much for us to learn and meditate on i pray that the entrance of the word will bring light and illumination into our lives in jesus name until our next episode continue to enjoy god's grace bye everyone Thank you for listening or watching. Don't forget to share this content. We know that your first priority is to your local church, but if you feel led to support our gospel effort financially, please check the description for details. God bless you.